Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1875. We will begin with Hebrews 11 verses 13 to 16. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now we'll flip a page over to Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Is that right? Nope. Oh, 12. Oh, sorry. I was reading that and I'm going, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, let's try this again. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word from the blood of a than the blood of Abel. Is that better? <laughs> Thank you. Not sure uh, anyone here reads Time magazine. It's an American magazine, and of course we're Canadians, but uh, Mary and I, we subscribe to it. We find it interesting, and every year Time magazine uh, identifies, they have a committee that gets together, and uh, they choose who's going to be the person of the year, the person of the past year. Uh, they do that at the turn of every year, and uh, this year, they uh, this committee decided that the uh, person of the year would actually be persons of the year. It was going to be the journalist, the journalist who uh, often risk their lives to tell the news, to tell uh, what they believe is the truth out there. And in fact, I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's they're a worthy choice. Uh, over 50 journalists were uh, killed this past year, 2018, because of their uh, commitment to telling what they believed was the truth, what was really happening on the ground. However, if I were on that committee, and considering 2018, I might come up with a another persons of the year, and they would be the refugees and the immigrants. They seem to be in the news quite a lot uh, this past year, 2018. Uh, almost every day you could read or hear something in social media or on your computer or in the news about those people who are homeless, 
Those people are running away from situations of danger and possible death and hunger and homelessness. Those who are courageous and uh, filled with perseverance uh, running away from dangerous uh, places, life-threatening situations to find a new home. But they were without homes. They were displaced people uh, looking for a place. And uh, in 2018, for example, there were 68.5 million people who were displaced, who did not have a place that they could call home. That's twice the population, almost twice the population of all of Canada. If you remember, you can imagine all of Canada, the whole total popula population of Canada times two homeless people. And I think uh, those who are refugees, those who are homeless, who are looking for a place called home, actually have something to teach us as Christians, as believers. Because the Bible talks about us, as Ina read, as we read in Hebrews, of being aliens and strangers, that the earth actually is not our home. We are pilgrims in this land. And so as we pause and, and look forward to a new year to come, I thought uh, it would be helpful for us to reflect on our journey here on earth and uh, the hope that sustains us uh, through the coming year and into uh, the future. As we, uh, as we read, uh, there Abraham was called and... Um, he was looking for a country uh, that was beyond the horizon. He didn't think of going back to his own country, but he knew that God had called him to a better country, a heavenly one. He was being called to a place, a new city that God was preparing for him. And in the story of Abraham in the Old Testament, Genesis, he himself calls himself I am a stranger in this land. I am, he uses the word, actually the Hebrew word translated into English, sojourner. Now a sojourner is a person who is, we might call them a resident alien. They are somewhat tied to the place where they find themselves. They're, 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 they're living there, sort of semi-permanently, but it's, it's not really their home. It's not their final destination. And that's a lot like what Christians are. We're, we're settling down here on the earth in this place, this place called earth in our, in our history. We, we, we sense that we are, this is where we are for now. But this is not where our final resting place is going to be. Sojourners. We are foreigners in the land. Peter, in fact, calls us aliens and exiles. We are exiles in this, this land. We sing a song sometimes, Spirit of God who dwells within my heart. Do you remember singing that? Spirit of God who dwells within my heart. And then we sing, wean it from earth through all its pulses move. What does that mean? That the spirit in my heart would wean me from this earth. That, that I would be somehow over time by the working of the Spirit able to, in a sense, disconnect myself from dependence on this earth. Like a child at its mother's breast eventually learns to live on its own. 
Wean it from earth through all its paltry need. Do not get too attached to this world. And as we peer into the future, we think of all the dynamics of being part of this world, economics, finances, relationships, families, friends, jobs, careers, hobbies, homes, vacations, all of those things that make up our lives. And Abraham, this passage in Hebrews, calls us to look, in a sense, beyond that. Because this is not our ultimate resting place. It says here that Abraham had a yearning for a better country, a longing for a better country. He knew that God was preparing a place for him, a new city. He was preparing a new city. Other parts of Hebrews says that Hebrews uh, here it says, "For he was looking forward to the city whose foundations uh, were of God, whose architect and builder is God." And then later on, for here we do not have the author of Hebrews says, "Here we do not have an enduring city." But we are looking for the city that is to come. When Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room and he was about to go to the cross, he says, I'm going to leave you. My, my time here on earth is almost finished. My ministry is almost complete. And I'm going back to the Father. But, but do not be afraid. In fact, take heart because I am going to prepare a place for you. Because in my Father's house are many mansions, and I will go and make a place for you there. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about another sphere, another reality. He is going to prepare a place. Second Peter 3 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. I think as Reformed people were very familiar with that language, that God is making a new heaven and a new earth. Filled in, filled in not only Peter, but the book of Revelation speaks of what God is doing. A transformation that will bring in a new heaven and a new earth, a place of perfect peace and joy and tranquility, of blessing, of prosperity in this place, this reality called heaven. We are not there yet. And uh, I, I wonder sometime if we as Reformed people are, you know, it sort of comes and, comes and goes. Sometimes there's more emphasis, sometimes less emphasis on, you know, transforming this culture, this world, Christ transforming culture. It's this world that, that, that God is redeeming, that groans to be released from the oppression of sin. And God will make a new heaven and a new earth, and it is this earth that he's being uh, working at in terms of transforming. Jesus came to bring the kingdom here in this place. And yet, no less strong in Scripture is this longing, this desire for another place, for heaven, if I might say. And it's not escapist to, to have these longings and these desires for the, the heaven that God is preparing for us, this room with many mansions that he is making for us. The, the Negro spiritual sings it, I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. 
And it's a very biblical song. If you look, look at the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation 20, 21 and 22, God will be there. There will be no more need for sun, no more need for, for moon or stars, because Jesus will be the lamp and God will be the light. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. And my heart yearns for that place. The psalmist says it this, Psalm 84, How lovely is your dwelling place, O God, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This was the psalmist. And he was talking about going to the temple, but let us not be fooled. He knew when he went into the presence of the temple, that was not the ultimate communion with God. He, he longed for, that was a foretaste. It was just a taste of what it was to live in the presence of God. And he knew that, that one day there would be communion with God that would be perfect. And that was his longing and his yearning. So as we look into 2019, we have this, this vision of what God is doing, what God is preparing for us, as Abraham had. He knew his, his resting place was not here, not in Canaan. It was in a city that God was preparing. And it was that hope that made him keep going, that gave him perseverance and strength and trust and faith to just keep plugging along. And uh, the future can determine. In fact, I would say our sense of what the future holds for us is, is critical for how we live our lives today. If you believe that the future is just filled with despair and darkness and hopelessness, then that affects how we live day by day, doesn't it? On the contrary, if we look at the future and we see what God is preparing, a new city, a new heaven, and a new earth, think of the impact that has for us, living our daily lives with that vision, with that faith in our hearts that He is making a new heaven and a new earth. And He calls us to participate as we anticipate the full realization, the fulfillment of that promise, how it gives us hope and energy and joy and strength. So keep our hearts, keep our minds trained on what God is doing in the year 2019. See what he's preparing for us, a new city, a new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven from God and indeed come to this earth. Let us believe, let us anticipate, and let that determine how we live this new year. There will be joy in this new year. There will be sorrow, I can, uh, I, can, I can pretty much guarantee you. There's going to be birth, and for sure there will probably be death. There will be joy and sorrow, there will be prosperity, and there will be failure. There will be laughter, and there will be tears. All that comes with this new year. But no matter through it all, that all, all of it, and somehow, in God's miraculous way, takes on meaning and purpose. In, in, in some miraculous way, all of those things, God weaves them into our lives 
and causes them to continue the work of redemption in us. We believe that because we know he's making a new city. He's calling us to a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, as we read a bit later on in the book of Hebrews, as uh, Ina read, we come to another passage. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands and so forth. And notice that the, 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 the verb here is present tense. And I have to admit to you that for many years I would read this passage when I was visiting someone who was on their deathbed or when I was uh, working or, or serving a family that was, was grieving the loss of a loved one and preparing a funeral. And I would read this passage and say, think of your loved one now. Come to Mount Zion. Come to myriads and myriads of angels and joyful assembly, the church of the firstborn. Come to the names written in heaven. Come to those who have been made perfect. And I'm envisioning, you know, these believers who have passed away entering into, into the realm of God. But, and I think that this is still a great passage to read in those contexts. But what I missed was actually this is present tense. The author of Hebrews is saying this is happening now to us. We have come to Mount Zion we have come into the presence of myriads of angels singing in joyful assembly. We have come to those who have made, been made perfect, those who are firstborn. We have come to Jesus. It's, it's something that has already come into our experience, un, into our reality. We have already come to this, this place. There's overtones of conversion, this word, we have come. The Greek word that's used there says, we have been born anew. You have come to a new place by virtue of our trust in Christ, by virtue of our conversion, by virtue of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We have been born anew to a new place. We've come to, a, that, that, this means, my friends, that we now live in the, in the presence of myriads of angels who are singing. We've come to the firstborn who are who have the inheritance of God in Christ. We have we have we have come to those souls who have been made perfect. Saints, each one of us in the eyes of God through the blood of Christ, a perfect perfect saint. We have come to God who is the judge of all things. We've experienced his judgment. We've experienced his truth. We have seen the right We've seen his righteousness. We've seen what he's doing to make this world a place that is just. We have seen it already. Already now we've experienced these things. We've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. He has come already. The old covenant has now passed. The old covenant that just had shadows and images or symbols of, of sacrificial lambs and goats and bulls that would take away sin but really didn't take away sin. Well, we have now the true Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, our sins, my sins. He's done it already on the cross. It's full and complete and totally accomplished. His work is perfect and it is complete. We've come to the, the we've come to, not to Adam's blood anymore. Adam's blood, remember when Cain murdered his brother Adam? 
And the blood cried out for vengeance, for revenge. And it started a chain of family feuds and, and bloodshed. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross is different than the blood of vengeance. It's, it's the blood of forgiveness. It's a blood of cleansing. It's the blood that proclaims God's eternal love. It's the blood that makes us right with God. It's the blood that restores communion. Laura Smith, who was a colleague of mine at seminary, preached a sermon on a passage in Hebrews, and this is how, how she put it. She put it so well, so I'd just like to quote what she said. She says, Jesus is the one here in Hebrews who blazes a new path. He's the one who gets us back where we belong, standing before the face of God, not alone, but with all of these gathered people, worshiping him, adoring him, receiving blessing from him, which we can then bring back into the world. In our new life in Jesus, we are already now invited to this place, invited to live here in this new reality in the heavenly places. We're invited into a new kind of access to God. We are invited to live before the face of God. In 2019, the author of Hebrews says, Jesus has come, his kingdom is here and we rule with him. And yet there will be times, the author of Hebrews says, when you won't feel that or maybe even believe that because of the chaos and the ruin and the still the suffering and the death and the catastrophes and the, the, the troubles that we face in this world. You, you may not really at times believe that because you're overwhelmed with grief or with ruin or with disaster or with sorrow or with failure or disappointment or brokenness. What do you do then? The author of Hebrews asks. And he says, we may not see the kingdom, but we see Jesus. Hebrews 2.9. We see Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on him. And in Jesus, we see an individual who knew how to live in this world and yet keep his eyes trained on what God the Father was doing. Jesus said to his disciples, I am making a place for you. I go and prepare a place for you that we can be together. And yet it seems so heavenly and otherworldly, right? But Jesus no less talked about the things of this earth, about very mundane, earthly things, very important things like, like money and like relationships and about, about working, about labor, about sex, about families. He talked about all of these things. And he took the truths of the kingdom of God and integrated them into the mundane, routine things of, of everyday life. And so... We're called to live in this earth, anticipating a new heaven, a new earth, the city of God that is being prepared, that will come out of heaven from God here to us. And at the same time, as we keep our hope fixed on him, we live daily, living out the kingdom, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. There's a, a scene in The Sound of Music that I, 
that I, uh, I just love this little scene. It's only like 30 seconds, but it's near the end of the movie, and you know the story of the, the Sound of Music, the Ventrop family. Uh, they're, uh, they're running away from the Nazis because Second World War context, the Nazis want to take the father and turn him into a, a general in the, in the Nazi army of the Third Reich. And so they're hiding in a, in a convent. There are nuns there that are keeping them safe while the Nazis discover that they're there and they come in a sense they flush them out and uh, the Von Trapp family uh, head off on foot seeking to flee the grip of, of Nazism and the evil uh, that that whole Third Reich embodied. And uh, there's a scene then with these nuns and they're the nuns who you think are heavenly minded, right? Nuns, uh, they live in a convent se separated from the world. They're, they're in a sense escaping the world it seems because they're focused on heaven on godly things and not things of this earth. And yet in this particular scene, uh, it just sort of is a, a wonderful little image of how they were not unaware of the presence of evil and the need to battle evil here on earth. In this particular scene, then the Ventrop family is fleeing. They've just gone out the back door and in the darkness, they're trying to run away. The Nazis realize, oh, they're run away and they jump into their cars, this whole row of cars that's going to run, run down the Ventrop family. And <laughs> the car, they're trying to, you know, car and it's not turning over and it's not, they're not starting. All the cars are not starting. And you hear this, this you know, <laughs> and in a room in the, the convent, the two nuns are, are saying to the, the head mother nun, Mother, we have sinned. What have you done to sin, my my dear children? And they say, well, and then they they show they've taken the alternators out of the out of the cars of the Germans. <laughs> In their own nun nunly way, heavenly way, they take on the battle of evil here on earth. I'd like to close with these words also from Laura Smith uh, from the sermon she wrote in this passage, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. She said, Colossians says, fix your minds on things that are above where Christ is. Keep your eyes fixed on things above where Christ is. If heaven is where Christ is, then that is my home. That is where I belong. It is a home that awaits me, and it's also a home that I am all allowed to uh, visit already now, and that I should visit frequently, frequently enough to know that I belong here. I really live here. This is my true place where Jesus is, standing with Jesus in the power of the Spirit before the Father in a communion of love. That is my home, my heavenly home. That is where I live now. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the new earth that you are making, for the new heaven. We thank you for the new city that will come out of heaven from God one day. And as we keep our eyes fixed on you and on what you are doing, fixed on Jesus, 
who came to establish the kingdom here on earth. Help us, Lord, in the year to come, in the comings and the goings, the ups and the downs, the joys and the sorrow, the births and the deaths, the failures and the disappointments and the successes and the prosperity. Help us to always see Jesus and live in his presence and experience heaven here in our midst until you come again. Amen.